Father in heaven, we, we thank you so much. What a wonderful name. What a wonderful and powerful name we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, that you will bless your word this morning. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. What a wonderful name it is. Good morning, church. I'm excited you decided to join us this morning, even though it was raining a little bit. We are missing a few people, like if we were still in summertime. Uh, so, but be, before we start, I just want to remind you uh, that um, we are here helping people experience the hope found in a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Uh, that's, that's what we're all about. That's what we want to do. And when we talk about children, I, I also want to talk, I also want to thank our children's director and our, 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 our children uh, workers uh, for the work and the ministry they're doing with our kids uh, in the kids' ministry in our church. Um, one of the things I want to talk about since, you know, Fa and Gina and Grow Ministry is here, I, I do want to talk about the value of a child. Uh, what an amazing presentation this morning, Fa. Thank you. And uh, this uh, this morning it was it was great to hear more, and it was great to hear more right now during the service. Uh, and um, you know how you guys are training and loving these kids uh, over in Thailand, um, uh, loving and training them to 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 love God and to love people. Uh, and, and, and there's an there's a very important thing that we need to remember, and it's to. There are certain things that children are. There are at least three of those. The Bible tells us repeatedly in the Word of God how all children are a gift from God. And I don't know. I don't know. I, I, sometimes I wonder. Do we really treat children like if they are a gift from God? Do we do that all the time? Do we miss that sometimes? I don't know. I, I don't know about you, but I have I have one child, twenty four years old now. But there are moments in my life when I go back and I'm like, did I do that right? Did I train him right? I, I don't know if you ever go through that, but I do sometimes. And sometimes I just I'm like, well, I did the best that I knew what to do and how to do at that time. So then I stop feeling guilty, right? For so many mistakes that we make. As we learn in the process, we learn uh, they don't come with the manual. They don't come with the book that you can actually uh, read and, you know, and tell you the details about every child. But ch- children are a gift from God. Psalm 127 verse 3, uh, the psalmist tells us that children are a gift from the Lord. They are not just a gift. They are a reward. From the Lord. So they're a gift, they're a reward from the Lord. Every single life, every single child is a gift and a blessing. Whether they bring, uh, they're bringing parents pride and joy, or whether they are teaching us how to be more patient and forgiven. Children are definitely a gift from the Lord. And a source for the growth of His kingdom here on earth. So they are a gift and are God-given gifts comes with an expectation that we will care for kids, that we will nurture, that we will grow them in love. 
God is expecting us to do our part as parents. God is expecting us to do our part as adults. Uh, children are a reward from God. That's the second thing. So they're a gift from God. They're a reward from God. Just as the father leaves an inheritance to his children, the Lord gives us parents, gives us uh, as parents the precious possessions of children. And if you're not a parent, there are children all over the world that we can also care for them. Children should be considered a blessing, not a burden. Not a burden, and the unborn child is a reward from the Lord, and not simply one to teach you to be cast aside. God created the family, and the children are a gift from Him to the family. In fact, the Bible says that they are the offspring are a reward from God because because of this. God cares about how children are raised and nurtured. And so also children are a great example for us. Has a child ever give you an example on how to do, on how to live life? It's amazing how many things they teach you, right? It's amazing how many things you can learn from your children. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 and through 5, He told His disciples this. When His disciples were, you know, adults, right? Were so worried about the wrong thing. The disciples were worried about the wrong thing. And, 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 and Jesus straight him up by telling them, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the, greater, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They were worried about position, right? They were worried about other things. They were worried about nonsense. And what the Lord Jesus did is, He took advantage of that moment to teach them a truth. Then Jesus called a little child to him and said, uh, sent him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So there's a lot of things children can teach us. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Learning to be just the way kids are. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as a little child is the, greater, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. What an amazing text. So again, have you ever learned anything from a child? Have you ever learned humbleness from a child? They can make you humble really easy. A lot of times, because we're the adults, we miss that. We, we don't see it. Because we think a lot of times, we take it for granted, and we don't think children can actually teach us anything. But they teach you humbleness. No doubt. They teach you uh, innocence. Right? They're innocent. It's, it's amazing. Uh, there's a research that seems to have found that curious children, they're so innocent, and so therefore they're... They're curious. And they, they, in this research, uh, it says that they usually ask 73 questions every day. They usually ask 73 questions every day, half of which parents struggle to answer sometimes. You know, have you ever seen your kid like this? Yeah, all surprised and all these question marks around him? Um, some of the questions they ask is, Why do people die? Why do people die? Where, where did I come from? 
You know, who is God? What is God? How was I made? Is Santa Claus real? Why is the sky blue? In their innocence, they just ask you a bunch of things. And Jesus says, you got to be like little children if you're going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's so much purity in their hearts. Why can I stay up late? Remember when they start asking that question? Children now ask a lot of questions. That this is common you know, knowledge. But they also teach you forgiveness. They also teach you forgiveness. When you ask a, ch- a child to forgive you, they, they, they don't think twice. They can be fighting with one another, and, and a couple of minutes later, they're going to be playing with one another again. Man, talking about a lesson on forgiveness for us, right? But they can teach you compassion. I remember when, uh, when my son was only seven years old, I took him to a Honduran trip. He actually used to love going to Honduras with me. But what he liked the most is that in every corner that there was a stoplight, there were kids coming out of the bushes. And, and all they were doing is coming out, trying to sell something or clean our windows and stuff like that. And, and so sometimes it was like giving, giving one a dollar after another dollar after another dollar. So sometimes I'm just, I'm just, I, I was just waiting for my son to see what he would say. And he would look at me when I would try to ignore these kids. I did it. On, I was doing it on purpose. I was trying to ignore them and just to see what he said. And, and he would be like, Dad, are you forgetting something? You got a bunch of singles. And you got a bunch of single dollar bills so you can give all these kids. And he would push me to give. I remember one time we were in a presentation from Africa, uh, from children in Africa. And he wanted me to buy all the books that they have on the table. He wanted me to buy... He was only seven years old. And he was all compassionate. He's still a very compassionate young man. Um, but they teach you a lot of stuff. And this is all great for normal children. Here comes the hard question. What about when these children are taken and they are robbed from their innocence? What about that? What about when somebody comes and abuses one of these children? And all that innocence is destroyed. But they are a gift from God. And they are a reward from God. You know, the many children experience in their lives the effects of child abandonment. You know what child abandonment is? You know what the trace of child abandonment does to a kid? What is child abandonment? Childhood abandonment is when a parent or a caregiver doesn't provide a child with the right environment that offers safety or access to basic needs, care, attention, and support. Childhood abandonment can happen intentionally or unintentionally. As shocking as it might be, child, uh, child maltreatment and neglect, it's pretty common. One out of seven children in the world have experienced child abandonment. Childhood abandonment can happen in many ways, including physical abandonment, emotional neglect, and unintentional abandonment due to sickness or death. It can be, it can be done intentionally or unintentionally. And the way that the studies have shown, the way it affects these children, 
just when they experience the trace of abandonment, it's amazing. It gives them separation anxiety. It, give, it gives them intense anxiety when separated from clo- uh, close people who loves them, especially parents. It gives them panic. I don't know if you ever if you ever approach a little kid and and they get scared right away. Or if a parent says, I'll be right back, and they start crying. It's not normal. It's not natural. And somehow, whether it was intentional or unintentional, they experience abandonment and they're afraid of that. Now, I mean, we can go on and on and on talking about child abandonment, but I just want you to think, if child abandonment affects children and affects them all the way to the adult age, can you imagine... When besides the abandonment, children are abused physically, sexually, it rips, it rips their life. It destroys a lot of things that only God can put back together. Only God can put back together the effects of neglect on, develop, on the, 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 developing the, the brain. It, it's amazing what it does to kids. It affects their relationships as adults. It affects their self-esteem. It affects their mental effects. Anxiety, codependency, depression. It affects their behavior. And a lot of times that's why we have so many broken adults. That we don't understand a lot of times their behavior. We don't understand a lot of times because something happened since the moment they were children. And they felt abandoned by the parents, or they felt abandoned by an adult who was supposed to care for them. But God is telling us that they are a gift from God, and a reward from God, and a lot of times we're not caring for them as we should. They experience the trace of child abandonment. And that is a tough one. What what does every child really need? What does every child really need? They need a parent figure that works with them to help them to know, to help them to give them affirmation in their life, to give them an identity, to know that they can identify with them, to know that they belong, to know that they're loved. And so we find this in the Bible in a perfect relationship. You know what the perfect relationship between a father and a son is the relationship between God and Jesus. Uh, what do we find? Where, what do we find between the, in the relationship between our Father in heaven and His Son, Jesus? Look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, it says uh, that after Jesus got baptized, the Father was so pleased with His Son being obedient. Starting his ministry, he was baptized, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You know, it's amazing the things that we can find in this verse about what a child really needs. It's amazing. The Son was about to go through a very difficult time in the desert. He was going to go to, uh, to the desert for 40 days. And he was going to go through tough times. He was not just going to go through the test of the desert, but he was also going to go through temptation. And before he went through that, 
He was successful at the end, but before he went through all that, before he went through all the, the, the hustle and the problems and the temptations and the test of the desert, the Father said this to him. And when the Father is saying this to the Lord Jesus, He was affirming Jesus of whom He was. Children are a gift from God. Given to us to prepare them, to care for them, to raise them and to nurture them before they go and face the real world. But with some children in the world, who does that? What about the forgotten children in Africa? What about those children who get recluded by, uh, by militias? And all they see from the time they're 10, 8 years old is a rifle in Africa. What about those children who are used for smuggling drugs into other countries? What about those children who are abandoned and they are only used for sexual pleasure? Children are a gift from God. It's, 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 it's God given. God has given them to us to prepare them, to care for them, to raise them, to nurture them before they go out to the real world. This is what every child needs from a parent or a person who can care for them physically and emotionally. The, the first thing that I want you to see there is that the father gave the son right after his baptism. He gave him affirmation. He gave him affirmation. That's why in verse 17 it says that, And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, And it's interesting, positive affirmations help kids to gain confidence. You want children to have confidence? You want to help other people help children have confidence? you got to learn to do positive affirmations with these children. Positive affirmations contribute to confidence. And it contributes to the mindset and it helps kids to truly believe that they have a purpose in life. That they're not an accident in the world. Kids need to hear what makes them special and strong over and over again. The affirmations, it's a message that gives hope to these kids. It gives direction by helping us to care for others and to care for themselves and ourselves. The purpose of positive affirmation is to help you overcome negative thoughts. You know, when an adult is so negative, when as they grow up, and they become so negative, something happened to that person when they were children. When they were younger, something happened that they become so negative that all they see in life is the negative side of life. It just doesn't happen. No, it happened, something happened in their lives when they were children. The purpose of positive affirmation is to help you overcome those negative thoughts that make you doubt yourself. When Satan, that right after the Father said this to Jesus, Satan came over and attacked Jesus and, and tempted Jesus. Remember what Jesus did? He never, doubt, he never doubted himself. Because he had the Father's affirmation. It is so important to affirm children. And, 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 and when the Father came in, and the text says, He came saying, 
The, the word saying there is an interesting word because the word saying there is the, is the word legosa in the Greek. And, and this word, it, it's simple, it's a simple word. But it's basically, I say, it's the Father saying, I say, I speak, I mean. It's actually also used for, I tell you, I really tell you, let me, let me affirm to you. Whatever He was going to say next, the Father was saying, let me affirm to you, let me tell you, this is the way it is. So basically, when Jesus is hearing the Father telling him this, the Father is affirming Jesus. It's an affirmation. It's a beautiful thing. Because it gives you strength, it gives you courage for what it was to come in His ministry. What it was to come in the desert at that moment. This is what I'm affirming, this is what I'm declaring, the Father is saying. Affirmation is an expression of appreciation. Affirmation shows deep intimacy. And children need deep intimacy with their parents. To, under, to know that they are understood. What was the Father affirming about Jesus? The Father was affirming His identity. Notice that right after He says, right after He says that, uh, you know, a voice came from heaven saying, This, this is my beloved Son. So this is my beloved son. So he was giving Jesus, uh, you know, the affirmation of his identity. Who was Jesus? This is my son. It, identi it identifies the one he's talking about. He's not just affirming Jesus. He's giving him an identity. This is my son. A positive identity enables children to develop resilience and ability to adapt to new situations or circumstances. Jesus was about to go to the desert and He needed to adapt to that. And the Father was not just affirming Him, but the Father was giving Him an identity. This, this is who you are. Having an identity can give you a sense of belonging which is important to you and your well-being and confidence. How many children grow up in the world today without this confidence? One of the things Fa was sharing with us not too long ago, she said people would come up to her and say, What are you going to do? You're poor. You've been through this yourself. What are you going to do? It's so easy for people to point at you the negative things you've been through. Sometimes I hold back from telling people my whole story because sometimes it feels like people are going to think I'm lying. You have no idea the things I haven't shared with you yet. But when I tell you that I was kicked out of my house at 12 years old and lived in the street from there, you have no idea how many things we went through and the experiences we went through and how I, I personally, after so many years of being a believer... I still struggle with that trace of abandonment in my life. I see some of my own reactions. And I'm like, that's why I react this way. And the more you, you the closer you get to God, the more you get to know yourself. But a lot of these things happen since you are a child. Children are delicate gifts from God. 
Your identity in Christ is based on the things that He has done for you. So the Father was giving Jesus an identity. He was affirming Him. He was giving Him an identity at that moment. And an identity, identity based in God's truth will not falter because His Word is flawless and trustworthy. Our biblical identity is a great example of how a child sees himself. Genesis 1.27 says we are made in God's image. That is identity. I am made in God's image. That's what children should know. Children should know what Romans chapter 15 verse 7 says. You are accepted. You are accepted. You are, you have, you make mistakes. You are not perfect, but you are accepted. What a difference, right? You are not perfect, but you are accepted. And I love you just the way you are. And you got to be patient so those children can grow so they can make their own decisions and hope that they will make the right decisions. John chapter 15 verse 16, it says, You are chosen. You know, maybe somebody else kicked you out or whatever, but there are other people who can say, You are chosen. We choose to help you. We choose to encourage you in life. Galatians 4, 7, it says you are free. That's part of our identity as Christians. You are forgiven. So when a child makes a mistake, you are forgiven. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, you are a new person. When a child gives his life or her life to Christ, we are to assure them of their identity with Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 says you are protected by God. So you are protected by God. You are part of something important. You are God's special creation. You are precious. You are a precious gift from God. And you are precious before the Lord. We are to affirm and we are to give children this identity that is God Himself who gives it to them and who gives it to us. You are saved. You are blessed. You are treasured by God. You are treasured by God. But what an amazing thing when children know you are treasured by the adults that are around you. And you are completing Christ, Paul says in Colossians chapter 2 verse 10. Affirming His identity, affirming that He belongs to the Lord. It's an amazing thing. And that's why number three, one of the the third thing that we see in that verse is that the Father was giving Him affirmation. The Father was, was showing His identity is, You are My Son. But also the Father said, You are Mine. You belong. Have you ever, have you ever feel left out before? You know, when children, when we, were, when we were kids, I remember when we used to play, we used to play soccer in the street, right? And, uh, and remember, they, we used to pick two guys. Oh, you guys pick the teams. And this guy will pick all the good players first, right? And then the other guy, and then you're like left out there like, who's picking me? And, and sometimes you were like, man, do, do they think I'm that bad? I didn't do, no, I'm kidding. I went through that too. <laughs> 
I wasn't that bad. I don't know why they didn't pick me. But, um, but when you feel like, do I belong? When we moved to North Carolina in year 2011, it's an interesting thing about the North Carolina setting. Is Let me tell you one thing. Moving from one state to another state is a completely culture shock. My son... So my son, my son doesn't speak any Spanish. And my son was 12 years old. And he would be, Dad, I don't know what to do anymore. How come? Well, I go to school. Here are the African-American crowd. I try to hang with them. They reject me. Here are the Latino crowd. Most of them are first generation. They don't even speak English yet. I feel rejected. Then I go with the white kids to see if I fit in there. And I'm not, I'm not white. I feel rejected. My son went through a stage of depression that immediately, almost, I pack his stuff and send him back to California. try to deal with the depression he went into because he felt that he didn't belong it was a hard time for my son and I will always regret moving my son away when he was 12 years old later on I find out that is the worst age to move a child when they're 12 to the age of 12 to 15 you should never move your children they will go through a really hard time. Don't ever do that. My son would never consider going back to living in North Carolina. He said, Dad, I would never do that. I can go visit our family, but I would never leave over there. Because the experience was so heavy. It was so strong. He didn't feel that he belonged anywhere. So when he came back to California, and he now he's hanging out with all these kids that are, you know, just, just, you know, they're like him, they think like him, they look like him, and he can talk to them in his own language. Now he felt that he belonged again. Children need to know that they belong. When, when a child is abandoned, not knowing where he belongs, could, you know, not knowing where he belongs could make him wonder and very unstable person for the rest of his life. Have you ever met, have you ever met with people who came, who, who cannot stay in the same place for a long time? The, uh, the, the, the lack of stability has a lot to do with that. That they don't feel they belong. Not just that. Have you ever met, uh, you know, the, there are also people who cannot hold a relationship for too long. And a lot of times we're not aware of these things because maybe we were raised in a different family. Maybe we were raised in a different way that it didn't affect us like that. And you know, it is hard jumping from place to place, jumping from relationship to relationship. It affects them because they experience abandonment in their life. Jesus trusted the Father. You are a child of God. That's what John... 112 says, Galatians 3.13, you are rescued by God. You belong to Jesus, 1 Corinthians 3.23. So, we get an identity from God, and we feel that we belong. Number four, uh, that, you know, 
children need to know that they are loved. Probably at the home in Thailand, that's probably one of the places where they have felt love. Am I right, Gina? That's probably one of the places, maybe one of the only places, right? Where they feel love. Why is it important for a child to feel love? When a child feels love, studies have shown that it gives them it gives them a sense of trust. It gives them a sense of trust. When kids know that they are loved, they know that they have they have someone that they can trust. But if they feel that they're only there for, to be used, they hurt for the rest of their lives. When we are loved, it gives us the ability to love others. That's what 1 John 4, 9 says. We love Jesus. We love God because He first loved us. And number five, children need to know that they are special. Look at what the Father says. The Father says, This is my, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. I am proud of you. I am well pleased, the Father says. I am proud of you. You are getting ready for your ministry. Jesus was about to start His ministry. And I am proud of you. When was the last time you told your son or your daughter? You are proud of them. You know, you know how often I do that to my, to my son? He just started a new job about six months ago with the government. And I tell him, son, I am so proud of you. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think I did, I did much of this. But I'm just so proud of you. And you know, every time I go see my son once a week. Tonight I'm going to see my son. But every time I see him, he hugs me. He's always, Dad, are you okay? Do you need anything? It's like I feel like he's trying to be the dad. He's always trying to do that with me. I'm like, I'm fine, son. And I don't want him to worry because he's stressed over that stuff so much. And there's all the things he tells me. And he's trying to push me to do and I just I, you know, I, 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 I'll get there I'll get there but he's trying to be like he is the father he thinks he thinks he can be my father in his way of acting to me and he's always asking me but we hug and we hug and we kiss now I don't I'm not afraid of kissing my son in the cheek and just say I love you son but affirming him all the time so every time he's going to make a decision you know what my son does Every time he's going to make a decision, he calls me. If it's an important decision, he calls me and he wants, he wants his father to give, him, to give him his opinion. That's the kind of relationship I have with my son. But I always made him feel that, because I didn't get that, I wanted to make sure he knew he was important to me and special. This is, I'm well pleased with you, the father said. What does every child need? They need affirmation. One of the things is that Fa is doing this in Thailand. Felipe did that in, in Tijuana with four orphanages in, in Tijuana. And all these children, no matter if they're all the way in Thailand or they're all the way in Mexico or if they're all the way in Nicaragua, 
which we work with a lot of kids in Nicaragua too. We actually, uh, we actually, with the other church where I used to be, the last church that I planted, we actually sponsor kids in Nicaragua to go to school. Because the parents, some of the parents in Nicaragua, they're just waiting for their children to turn 15, especially the girls. They turn 15, they look good, they're well developed. Now, find a husband. We, don't, we, we, can't, we can't support you no more. That is an amazing thing. And so there are little girls. You see these little girls that should be enjoying, you know, their teenage years. And they're already pregnant, raising children when they're, already, they're still a child. They're still a child. It's so amazing. It's so devastating. Um, children need affirmation. Children need an identity. Children need to know that they belong. Children need to know that they are loved. Children need to know that they are special. So I, I really... I really appreciate what these ministries are doing. But do you think these children think this way when they are taken? When they are sold for sexual pleasure? You know that a lot of tourists go to these other countries just to do that. And I, I'm going to say this. This is not going to be pro- maybe a popular thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. You guys know me, right? I really don't care. But you know that we're the biggest consumer of that in the United States? We're the biggest consumer of child pornography and child sexual trafficking. More than $152 billion per year. When I see things like this, because I was a soldier, my heart would like to do something about it. But I, I can't, right? But in my heart, it's just like... We were talking about it with Ed yesterday, and Ed says, Man, I just feel like I want to do something about it. That's the way I feel. But we know what we should be doing. We know that it's different for us as believers. But there are things we can do. There are things we can do. We can do our part. So I just want to, again, thank our children workers in our church thank the parents in our church there are some parents here that I, I, I mean they're teaching their kids the Bible on Friday night we had the picnic and these children were answering and answering questions that Ron was asking them all over the place they were sharp you know and these children feel love they, they feel welcome they, they, they feel affirmation And now in Thailand, they got fought to do that. 28 children. My respect to you. I got one, and I. it's a lot of work. And there are other places in the world that we need to worry about this stuff. Can we go? Maybe not. But can we do our part from where we are? Our value, our fifth value, it's about missions. It's about missions. 
And we need to get involved with that. Our Father in Heaven, we thank You so much. Thank You, Lord, for this morning. Thank You for the time that You have given us, Father. Thank You for the gift of having children. There are so many things that could be said here. From this pulpit and in many other places that we can't say yet or don't have the time right now. But we are asking you, Lord, that you will keep on giving us the conviction to do what we can, to do our part in caring for those gifts and rewards that you have given us in children. Not just our own, but also the children around the world. Because your children are valuable, Lord. And that's why you said, let the children come to me. Lord, thank you so much for our kids' ministry. Thank you so much for the parents in our church who are doing a great job. And thank you so much for ministries like the ministries Felipe worked with, with the orphanages in Mexico. And thank you so much for the ministries that Fa and Gina are doing in Thailand. And thank you for all those workers who are worried and doing something about children's ministries and rescuing children in so many other parts of the world. We know that we might not be able to do it all over the world, but we, we can start one child at a time. Somewhere. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.